Hello, welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. The big deal of the word integrity is wholeness, complete, single-mindedness. No wavering, single-mindedness. If you're going to shape a lump of clay on a potter's wheel, where do you put the clay? Well, in the centre, of course, anywhere else on the wheel, and it will be totally off balance. Interestingly, there are some parallels to be drawn between that lump of clay and our own lives. Tonight, Dr. Corbett launches his series titled 10 Proven Principles for Living a Balanced Life. First up, the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. In life, there are what we call principles. These are the things that you can adapt into different contexts to help you to live well. And that that place I'm going to call the balanced life. It's where you're not on the edge of a spinning potter's wheel or you're not out on the edge of the scales. You're right in the middle and everything's balanced. You've got balance in your life. And it's an interesting view from the centre of the potter's wheel, I imagine, for the clay. Everything looks even. It's not like something's, whoa, close, whoa, far away, whoa, close, far away. Everything's even. And I think there are many people that we can observe who are living their lives that are out of balance. This, I want to give some of the, the 10 proven keys. And I like the word keys because it, it conjures the picture, the word picture of unlocking something. And when you get the right key in the right lock and your ladder against the right wall, suddenly everything becomes easy. And I think in life, there are certain keys you can get like that. I've met people that are continually butting heads with people and they think it's everyone else's fault. When in fact, they're using the wrong ladder on the wrong wall and the wrong key and the wrong door. Let's pray. Father, I'm very aware that we can just hear things and see things and be a part of something and not really have it affect our hearts or our souls. And so, Lord, I pray that right now what is said, what is shared, would help, would help each of us to be able to hear your voice in a way that we could leave this place today with keys on our life skills keychain that come from your heart into ours and that, Father, we might be better equipped to live this thing called life so that, Father, we can indeed find that balance in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's really my goal for you today. From the day we are born, our lives are being moulded, aren't they? They're being shaped, moulded just like a lump of clay. And this is the picture I said I wanted to give you on the potter's wheel, being fashioned into a useful piece of art. So I don't want the picture just to be, there's a lump of clay and the potter is, you know, with his foot spinning the wheel and, and that's all that's happening. That's not all that's happening. In this picture, which we take from Jeremiah chapter 18, where the potter, Jeremiah's told, go down to the potter's house and watch the potter fashion the clay. And it's a beautiful process that the potter goes through to take a lump of clay and to make it into a beautiful vessel. It's a really beautiful picture. It takes the clay, has to slap it down and mash it and mould it and then wet it and break it apart. And if you think of how God's going to shape and fashion each of us, sometimes he's got to do that as well. Slap us down, stretch us out. <laughs> Man. 
I'm saying this realising I'm here too. So <laughs> break us, stretch us and snap us and put us back together and then pour water on us and moisten us up and then squeeze us and shape us and stretch us again and break it open and keeps doing it until all the air bubbles are out and all the stretching and the clay is perfectly integrated. And that word integrity, integrated, is a word I'm going to introduce in a moment as well and I'll need to explain that. But this, this picture of the potter taking that clay and then putting it in the middle of the wheel, and it's really important that it's in the middle, because you can imagine what would happen if that clay was not in the middle of the potter's wheel. <laughs> you could imagine. The, the best place for the clay during this process, to be during this process, is in the middle of the potter's wheel. You, you can imagine wet clay on the outside of the potter's wheel is just going to spray everywhere. And I think that's how some people feel their lives are at the moment. They're being flung every which way. So I'm going to invite you at the end of this time to ask God to help you to get into the middle of his wheel for your life, to put you in the middle. Mark Twain said this. He said lots of things, but he said this. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. And if you will get in the middle of the wheel, the potter's wheel, God's wheel, and allow him to shape and fashion you, the why will soon become obvious. James chapter 1, we're going to look at a few verses here. This is what it says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives, what's that word? Generously to all without approach, and it will be given him. Next verse, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. I mean, where is that wave going to crash? Where is it going to end up? Well, it doesn't know. And that, this is the picture that James is painting here. And the next verse says this, for that person must not suppose that he or she will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Verse 8, it says, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And that's a picture, again, of the clay that's not in the middle, the single point on that wheel. When you're outside that place and you're sometimes trying to be in there and out there, one foot here and one foot here, imagine the clay if it had one foot in the middle and one foot out here. This is God's will. And this is outside God's will. And the re why would anyone want to have a foot outside of God's will? Because it can be fun. It can be enjoyable. It can be exhilarating. It can meet a need in the short term. But you can imagine the person trying to straddle the middle and the outside. And the wheel is spinning at a high rev it's going to be very unstable. And that's what James is saying. The double-minded, the person who's not sure, is it this or is it this, is going to be unstable in all their ways. So I'm going to make a profound statement. You may want to write this down. Double-mindedness is the opposite of single-mindedness. Now, that's only half my comment so far. Here comes the next half of this comment. Being single-minded is derived from having integrity. And that's 
because single-minded comes, it's single, one. And what does the word integer mean? Do we have any maths teachers here, Jeanette? Are you a math? Do you teach maths? What's an integer? It's a whole number. A whole number. Not a bit over here, not a bit over here, a whole number. That's an integer. That word integrity comes from that word whole. Whole, a single unit, whole. So when we say a single-minded person can only come from integrity. You have to have integrity. Now, I know for many of us, we hear the word integrity, and because we hear it on the 6 o'clock news, and because we usually hear it in relation to corruption or some other kind of dishonesty, we think integrity only means being honest. Oh, that you're not a person of integrity is usually the insult someone will throw at us if they think we haven't been honest. And yes, honesty is a part of it, but that's only a small part of it. The big deal of the word integrity is wholeness, complete, single-mindedness. No wavering, single-mindedness. So, so let me make this statement, and again, it's, it's, I thought it was quite profound. The person who lacks integrity is unbelievable. Now, I know that people use, huh, you're unbelievable, as if it was a compliment. Please don't ever compliment me like that. I want to be believable, not unbelievable. I don't want people to say, I can't believe a thing you're saying, which is what unbelievable means. You know, Stephen, you're unbelievable. <laughs> Which is me saying, I cannot believe a thing you say. You're a fisherman. <laughs> then you really are unbelievable. <laughs> so a person who lacks integrity is unbelievable. And I don't think that's a compliment. The person of integrity is the only person who can be believable. Now, all this is just building up a bit of a, a foundation here. So in order to become a person of integrity, you've got to be whole. The only way you can become a person of integrity, and, I, and it's my hope that you will be, because I, I want, even if you are only here today and you hear this and you go, you know what, there's actually, this guy's given some reasonable benefits for, for becoming a person of integrity. And the benefit is, if you feel like you're out of centre and the, the centre of the wheel's there, and you're out here and you're just constantly always being flung around, going from crises to crises, disaster to disaster, relationship strife to relationship strife, maybe it's time to get in the middle of the wheel, and the only way you can get in the middle of the wheel is single-mindedness, and single-mindedness means integrity. And if you just do that, you might find a peace that you've been longing for in your life. But it's going to take accepting and dealing in the truth. And the person who seeks integrity is also seeking the truth. Now, I mentioned some time ago that, uh, that I, I watched an excellent series called The Crown on Netflix. If you have Netflix, I encourage you to watch it. It's a profound dramatisation of the coronation, the, the events leading up to and the events following of Queen Elizabeth. And there's a, an amazing scene in there where the British Parliament, both the uh, House of Lords and the House of Commons, commission a painting to be done of Sir Winston Churchill. The artist captures him perfectly. His wife says, you've nailed it. That's it. That, that's Winston. 
It was unveiled. Winston saw it and he called it the most appalling thing he's ever seen in his life. He refused to let anyone see it as he took it home. He called the artist to his mansion and said, why have you dishonoured me so horribly? And he said, I haven't. That's you. And then the artist said it because Winston was 88 years of age at this point. And the artist painted him as an 88-year-old man, bent, wrinkled, tired. And Winston said, that's not me. And the artist said, yes, it is. And if you can't accept the truth about who you are, you have a problem, not me. And to that we would all say, ouch. Because that would hurt, wouldn't it? That would hurt. So here is someone being confronted with the truth and he couldn't be. And the person who seeks integrity has to also be seeking the truth. And can I just tell you, having clay slapped down on the potter's bench and stretched apart and broken up and smashed again and pulled apart and broken up and water poured on to make them loose and pliable is probably not a pleasant experience for the clay. And it may not be a pleasant experience for us, but if you want to be a beautiful, glazed vessel that's really functional and helpful, this is the process. So the person of integrity, the one seeking the truth, is also someone who's going to speak the truth and makes a commitment to speak the truth. So I want to ask you a question. And the question goes like this. How many of you have told a lie in the last 12 months? Can I see your hand, please? The others who haven't put their hands up... You can put your hand up now. <laughs> now, if you're visiting here today, you're probably going, this church is a church of liars. Look at this. Even the pastor put his hand up. <laughs> but if I was to ask you another question, how many of you consider yourselves to be liars? Not many of us would, I hope, put a hand up. How many of us consider ourselves to be honest people? I hope all of us would put a hand up. We, we would consider ourselves to be honest. And yet we've all admitted that we've probably, in fact, almost certainly told a lie in the last 12 months. What does that tell us about ourselves? It tells us that we're human. It tells us that this thing, let's, let's not kid ourselves, this process is a difficult process to becoming who God wants us to be and finding that, that, that centre, that middle. Here's what the scripture says in Ephesians 4, 15. If we're going to be people of integrity, we seek the truth about ourselves and about the world we live in and who we are and how we find our place in that, but then we also begin to deal in truth. We begin to speak the truth. And this is how Paul, writing to the Ephesians, puts it. Rather, speaking the truth in what? Love. We are to grow up. In every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. So speaking the truth in love. And yesterday, I was told of someone who went to a cafe and asked what size are the portions of the particular cake or whatever it was. And the response was, oh, just the normal size? Can I tell you that was probably true? But I don't think it was an Ephesians 4.15 true in love. Um, in the prayer room just before we came out, someone mentioned that they went to get some supplies from a shop and the person said, oh, everybody's ordering today. Why can't they do it another day? 
Why does everyone want everything today? And the response was, well, sorry, I'll go to a different shop. Uh, can I just point out, this is one of the reasons why Ta Tasmania's economy has some leaks in it. It's just, but that's another rant for another day. Right now, dealing with this issue of speaking the truth, but not just speaking the truth. It's speaking the truth in love. So let me ask you a question. Does that mean if you're planning a surprise birthday party for someone and they ask you the question, are you planning a surprise birthday party for me? What are you going to say? You're just going to stand there and go, what are you going to say? Now, why is it that intuitively we know that's not the same as lying? Here's an interesting thought for you. Is do not lie one of the Ten Commandments? Who says no? Because it's not. Who knows what it actually says? Do not bear false witness. What might the difference be between bearing false witness and lying? The difference might be in a court of law, you bear false witness. Can you imagine if you know Old Testament times and if you know anything about how atheists like to point out what happens in the Old Testament, this shouldn't be hard. What happens to someone who is found to be guilty of a heinous sin in the Old Testament? Stoned to death. Do not bear false witness. Why? Because someone might die unjustly. Do not answer the question directly if someone asks, are you planning a surprise birthday party for me? Is anyone going to die based on... Well, yes, actually, now that I think of it, <laughs> if you answer the wrong way, husbands. Uh, <laughs> can, you see, can you see here, and I, I guess I want, to, I want to give you some balance here and help you get in the middle really well. Because in life, you will, have, you, you will be asked to speak the truth. And every husband knows that moment when your wife comes in and stands in front of your husbands and says, so, <laughs> try this one, husbands. Oh, I'm speechless. <laughs> there is a type of lying that is not going to hurt anyone. And I teach children every Friday afternoon when I'm on a tennis court. I teach, it's called deception. I teach them on a tennis court, I want you to do it. In fact, I'll say this to children on a tennis court. Outside these painted walls, uh, these painted uh, lines on the court, the, the rules are different to what they are on the inside. On the inside, you can look like you're about to go down the line there and then hit it across there. And that's deceiving, isn't it? The same in football, bounce, 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 dummy, bounce that way and go that way. Isn't that deception? You can imagine you know, if, if the AFL was Christianised. <laughs> Blow the whistle. No, sorry. You just, you just broke the eighth command. Do not bear false witness. We just stretch it out to do not dummy deceive. It would be, would, what? That would see, common sense tells us that's silly. No one's in, in. It's not the same as bearing false witness where someone could die as a result of it. 
And so that's why you'll read through the Old Testament, even in the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah comes to the king. And the king says to him this, If anyone asks whether you have been to see me and we have spoken, tell them no. So Jeremiah leaves the king's palace. Jeremiah is seen by someone and asked, Have you been with the king? And his answer was, no, he did exactly what the king said. Did Jeremiah do wrong? Well, not according to the scripture. Rahab, the prostitute, takes in two spies. The spies say to her, don't tell anyone we're here. And as the people of Jericho came in, the soldiers from Jericho came in and said, Have, are the spies here? Now they're in her roof. Are the spies here? And she said, no. Was she commended? Yeah, she's actually mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 as exercising great faith. Now, I run the risk of having a whole bunch of teenagers go, oh, cool. Man, I wish I'd known this before exams. Could have used this whole principle to my advantage big time. Well, hang on a minute. Let's just back up that truck, shall we? Because how do you get out of something like this verse? Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. Colossians 3.9. And if you look at the whole context there of Colossians 3, it has to do with eternal things, where a lie could jeopardise someone's eternity. So there's a certain gravity associated with it. And becoming a person of integrity doesn't mean you lie and justify it Every time. In fact, that's not integrity, that's double mindedness. So, the person who does speak the truth, uh, who, who speaks the truth, does so in a loving, caring manner. So, someone asks you for your advice or your opinion. And this is what I heard someone say once. They had written something and they gave it to another author and they said, Tell me what you think of what I've written. And this, is, this was the response that they received. Do you want me to be encouraging or do you want me to be critical? How many would say encouraging? Some might. On a particularly fragile day, I think I'll go encouraging any day. But if I really want to grow and learn, if I really want to take it on the chin, if I really want to become better at my craft, I'm going to say, just tell me how it is. Give me, the, give me a critical appraisal of this. I've mentioned before that when I, when I was doing my doctoral um, thesis, I was so confident I'd nailed it on the first draft. It was about 130,000 words and about 350 pages of, of, of dissertation. I was so confident. I was so confident. Everyone else needs to do drafts. <laughs> Get them revised and edited and <laughs> not me. In the, hum in the history of humanity, I was the one. I was the one. I nailed it first go. So I took it down to University of Tasmania uh, print shop and I said, just put the gold embossing on the side of the blue fabric cover, please. Yeah, give me three. I've got two supervisors. They'll want one each. I'll probably put on their mantelpiece. So we better make this thing look gold. And I've got one. I've got it in my office now, actually, that no one will ever see. And... <laughs> It came back from my first supervisor. Every page had red ink on it. Every page. In fact, you've got to do these things single-sided print. The other side 
had read on it as well. I was gutted. She didn't even ask, do you want me to be encouraging or do you want me to be critical? She just defaulted to critical. <laughs> and I was devastated. And I went through and I, did, I, I went through it all again and I, I did it this time. I had it plastic coil binded. <laughs> Wasn't going to spend money on this thing again because <laughs> it cost about $50 a piece to have it bound. And so I, I plastic coil binded it, sent it off again and it came back with more corrections. That process went on for another five times, seven revisions. Seven revisions. The last one, I think I stapled it with a... <laughs> it was humiliating. But every time I thought, no, I, I, I need to hear this. I don't want to hear it, but I need to hear it. I'm growing as a result. I think when you're asked for your opinion, there's, there's, there's a way to say the truth, but there's a way to say it in a way that's considerate and kind. And I think that's what a person of integrity does. Because a person of integrity is interested in the whole picture, not just the facts. Not just the facts, but people's feelings, their language. Some people can't, they haven't got a language that processes criticism much at all. So this is the process of speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4.25 goes on to say this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another. And if you look at that Ephesians 4 passage, again, it has eternal implications. It's talking about how we grow in Christ. Has anyone ever had someone come up to you and say, I don't think you're where you need to be spiritually with Christ, or words to that effect. Anyone ever had someone say that? A few. And I'm guessing, because I've, I've had people say in that, principally that same sort of thing, and it's like, oh, ouch. But you thank God for people like that. I especially thank God for people like that who will preface something like this. I don't know how to say this to you, Andrew, and I don't know if you'll hear it very well, but I want you to know I love you and I care for you, but I think you need to adjust this part of your attitude. Ouch. But it's that kind of love that helps me to become a person of integrity, someone who can become whole. John chapter 8, verse 30, and I finish with this. This is taken from verse 30, 31, 32. You may have heard the expression, and the truth will set you free. This is where it's from. But notice most people don't cite what I'm citing, which is the whole verse. He was saying these things, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You want to live a life that's in balance? You want to live a life where you are whole? You're not having to think, who am I to this person? You've got one story, one life. You're living a life of integrity. You're speaking the truth in love. You're abiding in Christ's word, he said. You'll be set free. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that we might all be committed to being people of the truth who accept the truth. And Father, the greatest truth of all is that Jesus Christ came to earth to die in our place. And the truth is that without a saviour, we all stand in jeopardy of a lost eternity. 
The grave is not the end, not for any of us. Beyond this life, we live on, either in your forgiveness or refusing your forgiveness. And Father, I pray for those who are here right now that they might come to that point in their own heart, mind and life right now where they say, God, I want to be in your forgiveness. I want you to forgive me. And if that's you, right now in your heart, you can transact your heart for his. He will give you his heart for your heart. And your heart from this moment will begin to be transformed by turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross. You took the punishment of my guilt and shame, my sin. I now receive your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. If you pray that prayer, this is the first day of the rest of your life in peace with God. And Father, I pray for us as a church that we will be a people committed to speaking the truth in love, to being a people of integrity, to being a people who become whole and set free. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. The best chance someone has of becoming a person of truth and integrity is to constantly be reminded of the truth. More from Dr. Corbett in the series 10 Principles for Living a Balanced Life next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, The Truth, The Whole Truth and Nothing But The Truth, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media. PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For updates and special offers, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.